Welcome to episode 7 of the Idiot Book Nook, where we go through our current book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, chapter by chapter, and have a discussion bringing in our audience. My name is Blazewing, and my, prono my, uh, my pronouns are she, her, and they, them. I am the Reading Dragon, and... I have been narrating this story for the most part while Blaze Wayne and Pauline and Lady Planet have been doing the voices of the characters, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Lady Punnett. I use she, her pronouns, unless I'm feeling like a blob. In that case, I use they, them. Today, it's she, her. Um, my cat keeps trying to eat things. Awesome. Today, it's his brush. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Before we get into our story, as usual, uh, we have a disclaimer. We at the Idiot Book Nook do not support the actions, views, or opinions of J.K. Rowling. We are simply Harry Potter fans who grew up with the books during important times in our life. For us, Hogwarts is and will continue to be home. We do not condone the racist, transphobic, and anti-Semitic imagery that is depicted within the pages of the of these books. So, without further ado, reading Dragon. All would right. you care to uh, take it away? I'll see if I uh, and I'll see if I can do Hagrid's voice. Uh, I'll see if I can mimic Hagrid's voice from last uh, from last episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone. Narrated by the Reading Dragon, Blazewing, and Lady Punnett. Chapter 7. The Sorting Hat. The door swung open at once. A tall black-haired witch with mm, a tall black-haired witch in emerald green robes stood there. She had a very stern face. And Harry's first thought was that this was not someone to cross. The first years, uh, the first years, Professor McGonagall, said Hagrid. Thank you, Hagrid. I will take it from here. She pulled the door wide. The entrance hall was so big, you could have fit the whole of the Dursley's house in it. The stone walls were lit with flaming torches, like the ones at Gringotts. The ceiling was too high to make out and a magnificent marble staircase facing them led to the upper floors. They followed Professor McGonagall across the flagged stone floor. Harry could hear the drone of hundreds of voices from a doorway to the right. The rest of the school must already be here. But Professor McGonagall showed the first years into a small empty chamber off the hall. They crowded in, standing rather closer together than they would usually have done, peering out nervously. Welcome to Hogwarts, said Professor McGonagall. The start of term banquet will begin shortly, but before you take your seats in the Great Hall, you will be sorted into your houses. The sorting is a very important ceremony because, while you are here, your house will be something like your family within Hogwarts. You will have classes with the rest of your house, sleep in your house dormitories, and spend t free time in your house common rooms. The four houses are called Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, 
Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. Each house has its own noble history, and each has produced outstanding witches and wizards. While you are at Hogwarts, your triumphs will earn you house points, while any rule-breaking will lose house points. At the end of the year, the house with the most points will be awarded the house cup. A great honor. I hope each of you will be a credit to whichever house becomes yours. The sorting will take place in a few minutes in front of the rest of the school. I suggest you all smarten yourself up as much as you can while you are waiting. Her eyes lingered for a moment on Neville's cloak, which was fastened under his left ear, and on Ron's smudged nose. Harry nervously tried to flatten his hair. Cats are trying to eat things. One second. Our cat's trying to eat things, apparently. <laughs> One moment while Professor McGonagall gets distracted and cat... Sorry. I shall return when you are when we are ready for you, said Professor McGonagall. Please wait quietly. She left the chamber. Harry swallowed. How exactly do they sort us into houses? He asked Ron. Some sort of test, I think. Fred says it hurts a lot, but I think he was joking. Harry's heart gave a horrible jolt. A test? In front of the whole school? But he didn't know any magic yet. What on earth would he have to do? He hadn't expected something like this the moment they arrived. He looked around anxiously and saw that everyone else looked terrified, too. No one was talking... <clears throat> no one was talking much, except Hermione Granger, who was whispering very fast about all the spells she'd learned and wondering which one she'd need. Harry tried hard not to listen to her. He'd never been more nervous. Never, not even when he'd had to take a school report home to the Dursleys saying he'd somehow turned his teacher's wig blue. He kept his eyes fixed on the f He kept his eyes fixed on the door. Any second now, Professor McGonagall would come back and lead him to his doom. Then, something happened that made him jump about a foot in the air. Several people behind him screamed. The he gasped. So did the people around him. About twenty ghosts had just streamed through the back wall. Purely white and slightly transparent, they glided across the room, talking to one another and hardly glancing at the first years. They seemed to be arguing. What looked... What looked like a fat little monk was saying, Forgive and forget, I say. We ought to give him a second chance. Ah, oh, my dear friar, we haven't given... Uh, we haven't... Haven't we given Peeves all the chances he deserves? He gives us all a bad name, you know. He's not really even a ghost, I say. What are you all doing here? A ghost wearing a ruff and tights had to suddenly notice the first years. Nobody answered. New students, said the fat friar, smiling around at them. About to be sorted, I suppose. A few people nodded mutely. Hope to see you in Hufflepuff, said the friar. My old house, you know. Along now, said a sharp voice. 
The sorting ceremony is about to begin. Professor McGonagall had returned. One by one, the ghosts floated away through the opposite wall. Now form a line, Professor McGonagall told the first years, and follow me. Feeling oddly as though his legs had turned to lead, Harry got into line behind a boy with sandy hair, with Ron behind him, and they walked out of the chamber, back across the hall, and through a pair of double doors into the great hall. Harry had never even imagined such a strange and splendid place. It was lit by thousands and thousands of candles that were floating in midair over four long tables, where the rest of the students were sitting. These tables were laid with glittering golden plates and goblets. At the top of the hall was another long table where the teachers were sitting. Professor McGonagall led the first years up here, so that they came to a halt in a line facing the other students. With the teachers behind them, the hundreds of faces staring at them looked like pale lanterns in the flickering candlelight. Dotted here and there among the students, the ghosts shone misty silver. Mainly to avoid all the staring eyes, Harry looked upward and saw a velvety black ceiling dotted with stars. He heard Hermione whisper, "It's bewitched to look like the sky outside." I read about it in Hogwarts: A History. It was hard to believe there was a ceiling there at all, and that the Great Hall didn't simply open on to the heavens. Harry quickly looked down again as Professor McGonagall silently placed a four-legged stool in front of the first years. On top of the stool, she put a pointed wizard's hat. This hat was patched and frayed and extremely dirty. Aunt Petunia wouldn't have let it in the house. Maybe they had to try and get a rabbit out of it. Harry thought wildly. That seemed the sort of thing. Wait. Okay, there we go. Noticing that everyone in the hall was now staring at the hat, he stared at it too. For a few seconds, there was complete silence. Then, the hat twitched. A rip near the brim opened wide like a mouth, and the hat began to sing. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black, your top hats sleek and tall, for I'm the Hogwarts Sorting Hat, and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your hand or in your head. The Sorting Hat can't see, so try me on, and I will tell you where you ought to be. You might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind. Where those of wit and learning will always find their kind, or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking cap. 
The whole hall burst into applause as the hat finished its song. It bowed to each of the four tables and then became quite still again. So we've just got to try on the hat? Ron whispered to Harry. I'll kill Fred. He was going on about wrestling a troll. Harry smiled weakly. Yes, trying on the hat was a lot better than having to do a spell, but he did wish they could have tried it on without everyone watching. The hat seemed to be asking rather a lot. Harry didn't feel brave or quick-witted or any of it at the moment. If only the hat had mentioned a house for people who felt a bit queasy, that would have been the one for him. <laughs> Professor McGonagall now stepped forward, holding a long roll of parchment. When I call your name, you will put on the hat and sit on the stool to get sorted. She said. Abbott Hannah. A pink-faced girl with blonde pigtails stumbled out of the line, put on the hat, which fell right down over her eyes, and sat down. A moment's pause. Awful puff! Shouted the hat. The table on the right cheered and clapped as Hannah went to sit down at the Hufflepuff table. Harry saw the ghost of the fat friar waving merrily at her. Bones, Susan. Hufflepuff! Shouted the hat again, and Susan scuttled off to sit next to Hannah. Boot, Terry. Ravenclaw! The table second from the left clapped this time. Several Ravenclaws stood up to shake hands with Terry as he joined them. Brooklehurst Mandy went to Ravenclaw too, but Brown Lavender became the first new Gryffindor, and the table on the far left exploded with cheers. Harry could see Ron's twin brothers catcalling. Bullstroud Maleficent Millicent. 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 Eh, it's all the same thing. Then became a Slytherin. Perhaps it was Harry's imagination. After all, he'd heard about Slytherin. But he thought they looked like an unpleasant lot. He was starting to feel definitely sick now. He remembered being picked for team. He remembered being picked for teams during gym at his old school. He had always been last to be chosen. Not because he was no good, but because no one wanted Dudley to think they liked him. Finn Fletchy Justin. Hufflepuff! Sometimes, Harry noticed, the hat shouted at the hat shouted out the house at once, but at others it took a little while to decide. Finnegan Seamus? Seamus. Seamus. They should have put an H then, but okay. No, it's Seamus Finnegan from, like, the movies. I, I know, but still, they should have put an H. But, yeah, it's <laughs> not how this works. Sorry. No. <laughs> the sandy-haired boy next to Harry in the line sat on the stool for almost a whole minute before the hat declared him a Gryffindor. Granger Hermione. Hermione almost ran to the stool and jammed the hat eagerly on her head. Because of course she did. Gryffindor! Shouted the hat. Ron groaned. A horrible thought struck Harry. 
as horrible thoughts always do when you're very nervous. What if he wasn't chosen at all? What if he just sat there with the hat over his eyes for ages until Professor McGonagall jerked it off his head and said there was obviously been a mistake and he'd better get back on the train? When Neville Longbottom, the boy who kept losing his toad, was called, he fell over on his way to the stool. The hat took a long time to decide with Neville. When it finally shouted, Gryffindor! Neville ran off, still wearing it, and had to jog back amid gales of laughter to give it to McGonagall. Oh, Jesus. Let me do that. McDougal Moreg. And we never saw him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's okay. Malfoy swaggered forward when his name was called and got his wish at once. The hat had barely touched his head when it screamed, Slytherin! Malfoy went to join his friends Crab and Goyle, looking pleased with himself. There weren't many people left now. Moon? Moon. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Moon? Not Parkinson. Then a pair of twin girls. Patil? And? Patil. Then? Perks, Sally Ann. And then at last? Potter, Harry. As Harry stepped forward, whispers suddenly broke out like little hissing fires all over the hall. Potter, did she say? The Harry Potter? The last thing Harry saw before the hat dropped over his eyes was the hall full of people craning to get a good look at him. Next second, he was looking at the black inside of the hat. He waited, <sighs> said a small voice in his ear. Difficult, very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not a bad mind, either. There's talent. Oh, my goodness, yes. And a nice thirst to prove yourself. Now, that's interesting. So, where shall I put you? Harry gripped the edges of the stool and thought, Not Slytherin. Not Slytherin. Not Slytherin, eh? said the small voice. Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head, and Slytherin will help you on the way to greatness, no doubt about that. No? Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor! Harry heard the hat shout the last word to the whole hall. He took off the hat and walked shakily toward the Gryffindor table. He was so relieved to have been chosen and not put He was so relieved to have been chosen and not put in Slytherin. He hardly noticed that he was getting the loudest cheer yet. Percy the prefect got up and shook his hand vigorously, while the Weasley twins yelled We got Potter! We got Potter Harry sat down opposite the ghost in the rough he'd seen earlier. The ghost patted his arm, giving Harry the sudden horrible feeling he'd just plunged it into a bucket of ice-cold water. 
He could see the high table properly now. At the end nearest him sat Hagrid, who caught his eye and gave him the thumbs up. Harry grinned back, and there, in the center of the high table, in a large gold chair, sat Albus Dumbledore. Harry recognized him at once from the card he'd gotten out of the chocolate frog on the train. Dumbledore's silver hair was the only thing in the whole hall that shone as brightly as the ghosts. Harry Harry spotted sorry. Harry spotted Professor Quirrell. Mm. Let me try this again. English is a hard language sometimes. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. And just keep in mind the spelling with this copy of the book isn't exactly perfect, so Yeah. They also, like, leave out words, too. Yeah, so you they do. In the blank. Yeah, ba basically, you have to adjust on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where was I? Harry's Harry spotted Professor Quirrell, too, the nervous young man from the Leaky Cauldron. He was looking very peculiar in a large purple turban. And now, there were only three people left to be sorted. Thomas Dean... A black boy, even taller than Ron, joined Harry at the Gryffindor table. Turpin Lisa became a Ravenclaw, and then it was Ron's turn. He was pale green by now. Harry crossed his fingers under the table, and a second later, the hat had shouted, Gryffindor! Harry clapped loudly with the rest as Ron collapsed into the chair next to him. Well done, Ron. Excellent, said Percy Weasley, pompously across Harry as Zabini Blaze yep. was made a Slytherin. Professor McGonagall rolled up her scroll and took the sorting hat away. Harry looked down at his empty gold plate. He had only just realized how hungry he was. The pumpkin pastries seemed ages ago. Albus Dumbledore had gotten to his feet. He was beaming at the students, his arms open wide as if nothing could have pleased him more than to see them all there. Welcome, he said. Welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words. And here they are. Nitwit, Blubber, Oddment, Tweak. Thank you. He sat back down. Everybody clapped and cheered. Harry didn't know whether to laugh or not. Is, is he a bit mad? He asked Percy uncertainly. Mad? Said Percy airily. One second. Give me one sec, guys. I will be right back. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. We're back. <clears throat> uh, uh, let's got... see here. Mad said. Per said Percy airily. He's a genius. Best wizard in the whole world. But he is a bit mad. Yes. Potatoes, Harry. 
Harry's mouth fell open. The dishes in front of him were now piled with food. He had never seen so many things he'd like to eat on one table. Roast beef, roast chicken, pork chops and lamb chops, sausages, bacon and steak, boiled potatoes, roast potatoes, roasted potatoes, fries, Yorkshire pudding, peas, carrots, gravy, ketchup, and for some strange reason, peppermint humbugs. The Dursleys had never exactly starved Harry, but he'd never been allowed to eat as much as he'd liked. Dudley had always taken anything that Harry really wanted, even if it made him sick. Harry piled his plate with a bit of everything except the peppermints and began to eat. It was all delicious. That does look good, said the ghost in the rough sadly, watching Harry cut up his steak. Can't you... I haven't eaten for nearly four hundred years, said the ghost. I don't need to, of course, but one does miss it. I don't think I've introduced myself. Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington, at your service. Resident ghost of Gryffindor Tower. I know who you are, said Ron suddenly. My brothers told me about you. You're nearly headless Nick. I would prefer it if you call me Sir Nicholas de Mimsy... The ghost began stiffly, but sandy-haired Seamus Finnegan interrupted. Nearly headless? How can you be nearly headless? Sir Nicholas looked extremely... Sir Nicholas looked extremely miffed, as if their little chat wasn't going at all the way he wanted. Like this, he said irritably. He seized his left ear and pulled. His whole head swung off his neck and fell onto his shoulder, as if it was on a hinge. Someone had obviously tried to behead him, but not done it properly. Looking pleased at the stunned looked, mm, looking pleased at the stunned looks on their faces, nearly headless Nick flipped his head back onto his neck, coughed, and said, So, new Gryffindors, I hope you're going to help us win the house championship this year. Gryffindors have never gone so long without winning. Slytherins have got the cup six years in a row now. Bloody Baron's becoming almost unbearable. He's the Slytherin ghost. Harry looked over at the Slytherin table and saw a horrible ghost sitting there with blank staring eyes, a gaunt face, and robes stained with silver blood. He was right next to Malfoy, who, Harry was pleased to see, didn't look too pleased with the seating arrangements. How did he get covered in blood? Asked Seamus with great interest. I've never really asked, said nearly headless Nick delicately. When everyone had eaten as much as they could, the remains of the food faded from the plates, leaving them sparkling clean as before. A moment later, the desserts appeared. Blocks of ice cream in every flavor you could think of, apple pies, treacle tarts, chocolate eclairs, and jam donuts, trifle, strawberries, jello, rice pudding. As Harry helped himself to a treacle tart, the talk turned to their families. I'm having an F, 
said Seamus. Me dad's a muggle. Mom didn't tell him she was a witch till after they were married. Bit of a nasty shock for him. The others laughed. What about you, Neville? Said Ron. Well, uh, my gran brought me up and she's a witch. Said Neville. But the family thought I was all muggle for ages. My great uncle Algie kept trying to catch me off guard and force some magic out of me. He pushed me off the end of Blackpool Pier once. I nearly drowned. But nothing happened until I was eight. Great uncle Algie came round for dinner and he was hanging me hanging me out of an upstairs window by the ankles when my great auntie Enid offered him a meringue and he accidentally let go. But I bounced all the way down the garden and into the road. They were all really pleased. Gran was crying she was so happy. And you should have seen their faces when I got in here. They thought I might not be magic enough to come, you see? Great Uncle Algy was so pleased he bought me my toad. We'll talk about that at the end of the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> we have some shit to unpack there, but for right now, let's continue on. Poor Neville. Oh my god, baby! Excuse me while we just all kind of- we, We've read this before, but excuse me while we all just kind of squirm for a little moment. I, I have some thoughts about the interpretation of this yep. as well. So we will we will discuss that up. Because yeah. we have four more pages to go through. Yep. On Harry's other side, Percy Weasley and Hermione were talking about lessons. I do hope they start right away. There's so much to learn. I particularly interest in transfigurations, you know, turning something into something else. Of course it's supposed to be very difficult. You'll be starting small. It just matches into needles, that sort of thing. Harry, who was starting to feel warm and sleepy, looked up at the high table again. Hagrid was drinking deeply from his goblet. Professor McGonagall was talking to Professor Dumbledore. Professor Quirrell in his absurd turban, was talking to a teacher with greasy black hair, a hooked nose, and sallow skin. It happened very suddenly. The hooked, <clears throat> the hooked-nosed teacher looked past Quarles' turban straight into Harry's eyes, and a sharp, hot pain shot across the scar on Harry's forehead. Ouch! Harry clasped a hand to his head, what is it? Asked Percy. Uh, nothing. The pain had gone as quickly as it had come. Harder to shake off was the thought... Wait. Harder to shake off was the feeling Harry had gotten from another teacher's look. God dang it. Okay. Let me try the sentence again. <laughs> English is hard. Harder to shake off was the feeling Harry had gotten from the teacher's look. A feeling that he didn't like Harry at all. Who's that teacher talking to Professor Quirrell? He asked Percy. Oh, you know Quirrell already, do you? No wonder he's looking so nervous. That's Professor Snape. He teaches potions. But he doesn't want to. Everyone knows he's after Quirrell's job. Knows an awful lot about the dark arts, Snape. Harry watched Snape for a while. But Snape didn't look at him again. At last, the desert... Mm. At last, the desserts, too, disappeared, and Professor Dumbledore got to his feet again. The hall fell silent. 
Just a few, just a few more words now that we're all fed and watered. I have a few start of, uh, start of term notices to give you. First years should note that the forest ground, the forest on the grounds is forbidden to all pupils. And a few of our older students would do, do well to remember that as well. Dumbledore's twinkling eyes flashed in the direction of the Weasley twins. <clears throat> Call out! <laughs> I've always been. I've also been asked by Mr. Filch, the caretaker, to remind you all that no magic should be used between classes in the corridors. And Quidditch trials will be held in the second week of term. Anyone interested in playing for their house teams should contact Madam Hooch. And finally, I must tell you that this year. The third floor corridor on the right-hand side is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to die a very painful death. Harry laughed, but he was one of the few who did. He's not serious, he muttered to Percy. Must, must be, said Percy, frowning at Dumbledore. It's odd, because he usually gives us a reason why we're not allowed to go somewhere. The forest full of dangerous beasts, everyone knows that. I do think he might have told us prefects, at least. And no. now, before we go to bed, let us sing the school song! Cried Dumbledore. Harry noticed that the other teacher's smiles had become rather fixed. Dumbledore gave his wand a little flick, as if he was trying to get a fly off the end and a long golden ribbon flew out of it, which rose high above the tables and twisted itself, snake-like, into words. Everyone pick their favorite tune, said Dumbledore. And off we go. And the school bellowed. Hogwarts, Hogwarts. Actually, you know what? Paulina, you can take this one. All right. Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy-Warty Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and bald or young with scabby knees, our heads could be f with filling with some interesting stuff. But now they're bare and full of air, dead flies and bits of fluff. So teach us things worth knowing. Bring back what we forgot. Just do your best, we'll do the rest, and learn until our brains all rot. Well done. Yay! <laughs> Everybody finished the song at different times. At last, only the Weasley twins were left singing along to a very slow funeral march. <laughs> Dumbledore conducted their last few lines with his wand, and when they had finished, he was the—he was one of those who clapped loudest. Ah, music, he said, wiping his eyes. A magic beyond all we do here. And now... Bedtime! Off you trot! The Gryffindor first years followed Percy through the chattering crowds, out of the Great Hall, and up the marble staircase. Harry's legs were like lead again, but only because he was so tired and full of food. He was so sleepy even to be surprised at the people in the portraits along the corridors, whispered and pointed as they passed, or that twice... I feel like I did wrong with that one. He was too sleepy even to be surprised that the people in the portraits along the corridors whispered and pointed as they passed, or that twice Percy led them through doorways hidden behind sliding panels and hanging tapestries. 
They climbed more staircases, yawning and dragging their feet, and Harry was just wondering how much farther they had to go when they came to a sudden halt. A bundle of walking sticks was floating in midair ahead of them, and as Percy took a step toward them, they started showing... They started throwing themselves at him. Peeves. Percy whispered to the first years. A poltergeist. He raised his voice. Peeves, show yourself! A loud, rude sound, like the air being let out of a balloon, answered. Do you want me to go to the Bloody Baron? There was a pop, and a little man with wicked dark eyes and a wide mouth appeared, floating cross-legged in the air, clutching the walking sticks. Ew. He said with an evil cackle. Ickle-firsties, <laughs> what fun! He swooped suddenly at them. They all ducked. Go away, Peeves, or the Baron will hear about this. I mean it! Barked Percy. Peeves stuck out his tongue and vanished, dropping the walking sticks on Neville's head. They heard him zooming away, rattling coats of armor as he passed. You want to watch out for Peeves? Said Percy as they set off again. The Bloody Baron's the only one who can control him. He won't even listen to us prefects. Ah, here we are. At the very end of the corridor hung a portrait of a very fat woman in pink in a pink silk dress. Word? She said. Caput Draconis. Said Percy. And the portrait swung forward to reveal a round hole in the wall. They all scrambled through it. Neville needed a leg up, and found themselves in the Gryffindor common room, a cozy round room full of squashy armchairs. Percy directed the girls through one door to their dormitory, and the boys through another. At the top of a spiral staircase, they were obviously in one of the towers, they found their beds at last. Five four-post... Five four-posters hung with deep red velvet curtains. Their trunks had already been brought up. Too tired to talk much, they pulled on their pajamas and fell into bed. Great food, isn't it? Ron muttered to Harry through the hangings. Get off, scabbers! He's chewing my sheets. Harry was going to ask Ron if he'd had any of the treacle tart, but he fell asleep almost at once. Perhaps Harry had eaten a bit too much, because he had a very strange dream. He was wearing Professor Quirrell's turban, which kept talking to him, telling him he must transfer to Slytherin at once, because it was his destiny. Harry told the turban he didn't want to be in Slytherin. It got heavier and heavier. He tried to pull it off but it tightened painfully. And there was Malfoy, laughing at him as he struggled with it. Then Malfoy turned into the hook-nosed teacher, Snape, whose laugh became high and cold. There was a burst of green light, and Harry woke, sweating and shaking. He rolled over and fell asleep again. And when he woke the next day, he didn't remember the dream at all.
All right. So that was the end of chapter seven. Uh, the sorting hat. We are now officially introduced to Hogwarts. And now for those of you that are watching is the point where we bring in our audience on the Twitch chat. Um, for those of you joining in live on TikTok, uh, I have a web address up here. Go check that out. You can come chat with us. You can take part in the discussion. Uh, we bring our audience in and we discuss basically what we've just read with them. For those of you that are unfamiliar with this portion of the episode. So... Um, is there anything that we wanted to talk about from the first half of that chapter, I guess? Because I know that I, I, I know there was at least one point we wanted to bring up. Neville? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's actually a point I want to bring up before that, yeah. even. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, before all of that, uh, they were talking about how, what the sorting was going to be. And Ron says, I'm going to kill Fred. He said something about wrestling trolls. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, just a and, little bit. <laughs> well, no, not even just that, because there is this headcanon going around that Ron is actually part troll. proficient in divination. Oh, yep. I've, I've, heard rumors, you know, I've heard rumors it says Ron's part troll, but I mean, anyways, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, because later on, it, it they say that he's always been like, his sarcastic comments usually come true in some way. And mm. when he was taking divination, as we all know from the famous scene, in Trollney's class with the tea leaving readings, um, that that prediction actually comes true. Not huh. in the way they expected, though. Huh. Not in the way they expected, because the whole premonition would be, "You'll die, but you'll be happy about it." Yeah. Because Harry was accepting of his death when it finally came. Well, there's there's also another thing when it comes to divination class but we'll we'll get into that later uh, there, there's like a whole sh there's like a whole shit show with the divination class that i want to talk about but not until we get hello critter shy hello critter shy I... and also hello elks if you are still kicking around but yeah we'll go we'll, we'll now touch base on um neville's family and how they were so worried that he'd be a squib that their best course of action was to hold a baby outside its window. They abused the ever-living crap out of him. No wonder why he's such a timid child. Hello, ferret. And also, Jordan the Dude says the sorting hat spouts a little rim limerick. Yeah, the sorting hat's known for being a wise ass. <laughs> yep. Which is why I believe it was made by Godric Gryffindor. Because out of all of them, I think Godric Gryffindor is the wisest ass of them all. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's actually written into canon that uh, it was that it was actually Godric Gryffindor's hat, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. However, it was enchanted by all four of them, so that way uh, yeah. it had the ability to really think about the different aspects of each house that represented the founders. Fair. Um, there was a point, uh, actually near, uh, I think near the middle or towards the end. It, mm -hmm. it, it's canon that it's his hat. Excellent critter. Yep. Excellent. Um, the first pain that Harry felt. So when he looked up at the teacher's table and he looked at Quirrell and then he looked at Snape, that pain that he felt in his scar, I didn't get this until just now. Mm -hmm. That wasn't caused by Snape. That was caused by Quirrell. That was the connection between him and Voldemort cementing. Yep. I and didn't catch that. Turned. Pardon? His head was turned, so it would have been Voldemort facing him because he only saw the back of the turban. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't catch that until just now. Every time I read this fucking series, I learn something new. Every time. Mm-hmm. Kritishai says, also, the limerick always contains a warning or preview of the year to come. See, I didn't know that either. Uh, that's learned something new. Huh. Does that mean the sorting hat is omnipotent? I mean, I, I would not be surprised if one of the founders of Hogwarts was proficient in, uh, uh, what's that one? Yeah, divination. Okay. So I think it was probably Helga Hufflepuff, because here's why. If it was Rowena Ravenclaw, she would have known that her daughter was going to steal her the, 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 the diadem. Not necessarily. The diadem? Depends on how the divination is channeled through the person, I believe. And Ferret says omniscient, and yes, kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at Trelawney, who we'll get into, uh, was it next year? Is, is it this year or is it Book next three. year? No, it, it's third Book year. Three. Third year. Because that's when they can take electives. Yep. When we get into Trelawney, um, she can't channel it at the drop of a hat. There has to be certain circumstances and certain thing. Uh, cer there has to be certain prerequisites for her to be able to channel stuff. For instance, I'm just going to put this out there. She's the one that gave the prophecy about Harry. Yep. And mm -hmm. Dumbledore, uh, was it Dumbledore or was it Snape overheard? I think it was Dumbledore overheard it. Dumbledore yep. was with her, I believe. So there has to be certain requirements fulfilled before Trelawney can divine shit like that. Other than that, she's just like any other person. So it mm -hmm. depends on how the divination is channeled through the person and kind of what, I think, tools they need to do their divination job properly. Mm -hmm. Jordan the Dude says, And the list makes sense more than the movie scene, which was a pseudo, which was pseudo alphabetical. Yes, and like we said, Jordan, and we'll keep telling you this time and time again, there's so much more in the books than they covered in the movies. Yep. The movies, the movies list, uh, the movies missed out on so much. Yes, they did. Crittershy says, it seems to have a mind of its own. It's also been around for a thousand plus years looking into all those minds. Yep. Yep. Um, you can only imagine kind of the influence. I, I, I like to imagine that each person that's put the hat on over the years. So each year you have an entire class. Mm -hmm. that puts this hat on to get sorted each person whose head has touched that hat has flavored that hat some way which yep. turned it into its own actual person it's a combination of everybody who's touched it mm -hmm. um, i would like to say one more point about the whole uh neville with his family type thing yes he said and i well he said basically gran was so happy she cried and i'm thinking honey as, as much as you're thinking this i think she cried from happiness because you lived yeah yeah and let's like let's not pretend like neville's grandmother doesn't actually give a shit about him she's very protective of him because oh yeah we because of what we find out later about his parents like mm. yeah i am if if i was neville's grandma i would have murdered his uncle yep bear in mind also also neville isn't telling this story from what he remembered Yep. This is probably being told like secondhand, and most likely it was probably his uncle who told the story. Yeah, because I, because her gran is protective of him. Yep. We mm -hmm. know this, so I don't think he probably said, "Oh yeah, gran was so happy that you had magic." She cried, and instead of she was so happy you lived. Yep. Yeah, Ferret says, "Has that hat ever been washed?" 
Probably not. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we we could do um what we could do uh what do you call it um uh press digi- a- we we could do a press to digitation, but I don't know if that actually exists in this world or not. No. That's more of a they have thing. a cleaning spell. Yeah. Yeah. Shy says, "Lol, well, it's leather or felt. It's a leather or felt hat. I doubt it would survive a wash." You're not wrong. And Jordan. Yeah, and Jordan says, also, Hogwarts has a school song? It's weird to think about it. Yeah, so that's one of the... schools do? That's one of the things the movie left out. And not only does Hogwarts have a school song, it has no specific... It has no specific tone. It has no specific uh, set of musical notes you're supposed to sing. One of the things that Dumbledore said was, pick your favorite tune and sing. And everybody finished at different times. The Weasleys preferred the funeral march. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that I just kind of spoke it out. That's because that's what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Not just a school song. They have an actual choir that performs often, is what Kritishai has said. Well, that's interesting because I think that's one of the things that was actually detailed in the movie for added effect and a bit mm-hmm. more of an atmosphere and is not mm-hmm. explicitly mentioned in the books. Yep. Another. Uh, go ahead. Uh, well, the last paragraph of the chapter, um, it's described as a nightmare. I don't think it was a nightmare. I think that was Voldemort using whatever little bit of power he had to, like, cement that in. Like, you should transfer to Slytherin. You'll be great there. Yep. But then nope. it slowly morphed into the nightmare because then it was Malfoy. And then yep. that, because I think he lost the connection, but the nightmare continued. Yep. Yep. Jordan says they don't mention it till the fourth movie. Something wicked this way comes. comes. So, do we have anything else we want to bring up? Uh... Sorry, I've kind of, I've kind of like talked a lot. So, mm-hmm. oh, oh, there is one thing actually. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Harry mentioned the Weasleys, uh, not the Weasleys. The Dursleys never really starved him, but he was never given as much food as he would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they let Dudley have first dibs on everything. Mm-hmm. Crittershy says, I think I read it in one of the background canon things. That very well could be. Um, a lot of us are Harry Potter nerds. Like We grew up and seeking out background lore was just kind of a thing a lot of us did so there there's a chance we have a bit more in the way of lore knowledge than a lot of other people in, in not like everybody but i mean people in this chat there's a very good chance that we have a, a lot more understanding and uh background of the lore mm-hmm. uh ferret says also the weasley twins are known rebels so of course they treat the song like a dirge yeah they would <laughs> they absolutely would that is like totally on brand for them Yep. Uh, I love how the Weasleys were just fucking called out by Dumbledore. Yep. Like, also, uh, also proves with uh, Percy Weasley, he's putting a lot of emphasis and importance. This is his first year being a prefect, and he's yeah. like, "I'm so, I'm sure he would have told the prefects, like, bitch, you don't know what it's like to be a prefect. For all you know, the prefects are told bare minimum, don't go there. Yeah, okay." Mm-hmm. Great. Yep. They're just doing this to get the job done. Yep. Yep. Ferret says, like, we'll conform, but we won't enjoy it. I mean, that just about sums up the Weasley twins. Wait till we get to book f- five. Mm-hmm. 
Criticize says the way Harry's malnutrition was always ignored always bothered me. I, I Jordan, agree. yep. And Jordan the dude says silent ally Petunia wouldn't or couldn't starve Harry. Agreed. And therein we find more evidence for the silent ally that uh, Aunt Petunia could uh, could have been and potentially was was that yeah they didn't feed him full but he didn't starve again her way of making sure that her nephew was looked after to the best of her ability at the time mm -hmm. most likely instead of having a lot of meat products or like starch projects that do fill you up she was probably giving him a lot of vegetables and yep. stuff that would actually help with nutrients and things yep. that dudley didn't want which i mean let's face it we all know dudley didn't doesn't exactly make the be best choices which means he probably went for the things that were uh, sweet or the you know fatty fatty and filled that craving which means harry got all of the nutritious shit which means i don't think he has an ounce of fat on his body at least that's the way it's being described from what i understand at least mm -hmm. none of the kind of um, fat on his body that would be considered like unhealthy. Like he's yeah. described as a as a gangly boy. Yeah. Um, but he probably would still have like a, at least a little bit. Yeah. Just like for like the basic survival purposes for the body. Jordan the dude, yes, the forest is actually on school grounds. Uh, at least mm -hmm. it is in the book. It's not like it's depicted in the movies. Ferret, Dudley, salad isn't food. Salad is what food eats. Yes, you are not <laughs> wrong about that. And Critishai says, I've heard slash read theories that the reason why Harry survived was because he was magical. I mean, that could also be a thing, especially since uh, for those that have magic as an innate part of them, it can be used as a survival method. Yep. And Critishai says, salad is a promissory note that food will arrive. Yes. Again, all of the yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Also, uh, wasn't it you, Lady Pundit, that said that he, that Harry much preferred the healthier foods? That was in the fan fiction that I was reading yeah. that he typically preferred like the greens and the stuff that was considered healthier. And one of his favorite mm -hmm. foods was salad. And he didn't mind the fact that Vernon and Dudley put that on his plate. Yeah. And forced him to eat more of it. Yeah. Uh, so we are on a bit of a time crunch today and we are coming mm -hmm. up on our hour mark. So I'm thinking this is a good place to cut this uh, this episode of the podcast off. Mm -hmm. I'm going to quickly drop our links in the... Whoops, that was the wrong link. One second. I'm going to quickly drop our links in the chat for the Idiot Book Nook. Um, so our socials, you can find Lady Punnett on TikTok uh, at uh, Lady... Uh, sorry, Paulina.Avalon. You can find myself on Linktree at linktr.ee dot ee slash blazewing two zero one zero. You can find the Reading Dragon on Linktree at linktr.ee slash the Reading Dragon. You can find our podcast uh, if you just want the podcast feed at anchor.fm slash idiot dash book dash nook. And you can find our website at idiotbooknook.wordpress.com. If you have any suggestions for us for books. That's coming up in the chat here in a moment. You can go ahead and drop it on that Google form that I've just popped into the Twitch chat. And if you have any fanfics that you would like to recommend or any resources you would like to recommend, you can email us at idiotbooknook at gmail.com. Or you can go to our podcast feed and leave us an actual audio message. 
which we yeah. can then put into the podcast episodes. And if we get enough of these audio recordings, there is the potential for us to possibly do just a viewer and fan feedback episode at some point and play Judy! these and discuss them and all of that jazz. There's a lot of different things that we can do with stuff like this. So for those of you that are here on Twitch, you just stick around. We'll be back in a few minutes. For those of you that are listening to the podcast, we want to thank you very much for listening. Mm -hmm. We hope you have appreciated this episode and we will see you in episode eight and chapter eight Yay. of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. For those of you on Twitch, we're going to take a 10 minute break. We will be back. Get up, stretch, refill your drinks. And thank you for joining us. Yeah.